Well, hello there. You are listening to Jelly and Bean, and this is a show where we talk about all manner of geek topics, tech, movies, TV shows, games, and more. This week, the show is hosted by Gordon McAlpin, the evil dictator of the webcomic multiplex, and myself, Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrell, an Apple fanboy with the heart of gold. Today is Friday, the 30th of August, 2013, and this is episode 40. Hello, Gordon. Hello, how's it going? Very, very well. So, you are the creator of a webcomic. Yes, yes, it is a comic. It is on the internet. Therefore, it is called a webcomic. So, Um, what's what's your webcomic about? I mean, I I already know, but you you know, you you should tell the people who don't. Uh, I do Multiplex. It is a comic uh, about a, a bunch of kids that work at a movie theater, uh, a multiplex theater, if you will. So it, uh, it's it been running for about eight years. It touches on, uh, you know, new movies, old movies, uh, kind of talks about movies in general. And of course, it, it it's kind of gravitated towards uh, revolving around the lives of the characters uh, just as much as uh, about the movies themselves. So, um, sure. yeah. So, so what is it that drew you to doing a, a webcomic about movies? Well, and initially I had always kind of thought about doing comics in terms of like graphic novels, uh, cohesive singular stories with a beginning and a middle and an end. And so the, the kind of doing a webcomic was, wasn't really anything that I had thought about. Um, but at one point I was kind of struggling with coming up with an idea for, for what to do uh, a comic book about. And a buddy of mine who worked at a movie theater suggested that I do a comic about a bunch of people that work at a movie theater. Go figure. Um, and, uh, you know, I was like, eh, that'd be stupid. Um, and then, you know, a couple of years later, it kind of clicked in my head, like how I could do that idea in a way that I would find that I personally would find interesting Um, how I could do, you know, small bite size things um, to just kind of uh, screw around, tell, tell, you know, little jokes here and there. And, and then, you know, later on it kind of turned into a little bit more of the story comic that I had originally sort of wanted to do. But when I started, it was just kind of this silly lark that, uh, that I, you know, just did in my spare time. Um, and I still sort of, I guess, arguably do it in my spare time because I'm a grad student and a freelance illustrator and, and whatnot. But, um, but it takes up a significant portion of my, my spare time as opposed to, you know, uh, originally. But, um, uh, I, I guess what, what attracted me to the idea of doing a webcomic about movies is that I could, you know, I, I could watch a movie, um, I could, uh, write a strip about it and I could post it within 24 hours. That's, you right. know, it's the one thing that the web lets you do that, that you can't do in print. Yeah. Um, and so it's that immediacy that, that I was really attracted to. Um, so I could, you know, I could keep the movie references really up to date. Um, I, I love movies, of course. Um, uh, just all kinds of movies, not just, you know, the big action, uh, sci-fi genre movies or whatever, but, uh, you know, costume dramas, uh, you know, for, uh, foreign films, of course, you know, Australian films are, are foreign films over here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we, we've, we've had entire conversations about, uh, about Australian <laughs> films and whether or not they're sure. actually Australian because many 
a lot of films these days uh, that that come that are Australian, you know, air quotes around that, uh, <laughs> tend to get financed or or partially made uh, with with American backers, and so sure. I find it very difficult to call them Australian. But you know, I don't have a problem calling a movie that's financed from somewhere else, um, you know, whatever country that it that the uh, directors and writers or whoever uh, want to call it. I mean. Uh, technically, the Spider-Man films are owned by Sony, right? They're right. not Japanese movies. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, it's uh, it's well. I mean, granted, the, the Sony Sony owns a movie studio in in Hollywood, so yeah. So that's that's kind of a stretch, anyway. Even even just as a as a facetious example, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's I'm sure there there is a. a Australian independent film scene. Oh yeah, there's there's a huge independent film scene here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a lot of films that are made by TV studios because mm-hmm. they're the biggest studios that we really kind of have that are right. properly Australian. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have to confess that I'm I'm um, mostly ignorant. I would say of Australian film, I, I've seen um, you know Walkabout. It's one of my favorite movies. I love Peter Weir. Um, his all, all of his films and I, I i mean i know he's an australian director but his films have less and less to do with australia these days uh I've, i saw rabbit proof fence <laughs> um, did, did you see the great gatsby i did not i did not Boz lerman i understand is is australian as well i um yeah. I, i've only seen uh one and a half of his movies perhaps um i loathed romeo and juliet with a passion um and and that and the uh, partial samplings of of a couple of his other films have have led me to believe that his style of movie making is not my cup of tea um uh, you know and it's it's all relative it, I, I there is a huge amount of film that is almost entirely subjective his his style of storytelling just uh, doesn't doesn't sit well with me Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So, we probably should uh, actually get started talking about uh, this week's this week's topics. Sure. So, um, we we have heaps to talk about. So let's uh, let's get straight into it. Um, the first thing, and this is a bit of follow up, really, uh, is that uh, just this past week, uh, the the Microsoft update that converts Microsoft points to regular currency uh, for the Xbox has dropped. Um, and I know that you probably know nothing about this nor care about it, uh, Gordon. But uh, just for, for the people who, who do care that, that are listening, uh, so uh, the update for the Xbox has dropped. You can, you can now get it on your, on your console. All you basically have to do is, is start your console up. The conversion of the points will actually be done the first time you try to purchase something and it tells you how much you're going to get credited. Uh, and uh, they're going to have... They're gonna have like everybody has, and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that in supermarkets and stuff like that uh, over there, mm-hmm. you guys have those you know, big, you know, walls of um, of like gift cards and stuff that yep. all the different online retailers have now. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're gonna have they're gonna have one of those for for micro okay. for, instead of Microsoft points, it'll be for you know uh, just a gift card right. now for uh, with the local currency. So here in Australia, it's. Australian dollars, and there in America it'll be American dollars, or just dollars as we call them. 
Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> they're just called dollars here too. <laughs> I figured. Um, uh, yeah, as a PC gamer, um, I, you know, I, I'm a Mac user, but I, I, I use Boot Camp to, to play games under Windows because that's all it's really good for anyway, right? Windows, playing mm-hmm. games, right? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I, uh, I, I get all my stuff through Steam pretty much, um, uh, it, you know, except for the occasional iPad game or I, whatever. Uh, Google Play, I have, I have an Android phone. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, for, for like computer-wise anyway, I, I, I'm just all Steam and, uh, and I, you just buy things with dollars through that, right? I don't yeah, know. well, that's and that's the thing, <laughs> and I think that's part of why they've done this, uh, because uh, when the Xbox 360 first came out, and you started being able to buy things uh, directly through that, uh, mm-hmm. they started selling them with these Microsoft points, which were basically uh, like f- you know this fake currency uh, that had no grounding in an actual dollar amount at all. I mean, other than the fact that you would mm-hmm. buy a certain amount of points with a certain amount of dollars. Um, but you you know, you'd pay like sixteen bucks and you'd get uh, like like twelve hundred points or something, and it would just be and it was just kind of like, it felt just like a way of just masking the actual cost of things. Um, I hated it. It was the worst thing ever. Um, mm-hmm. I was very very excited when they announced that they were this that this update was coming, and uh, and you know because you, you you can buy things on your phone now with with just with a you know simple credit card transaction you can do it on on like tablets and on your computer like you can buy an if you mm-hmm. want to buy a, a really simple game from like the Mac App Store or from Steam you, like it's it's a simple one time transaction don't have to worry about how much is this actually costing me how much you know how, what what <laughs> does this is actually worth um it just it's just really straightforward. It's in a currency you understand. It has actual uh, relevance to the actual amount of money that you're spending. And it's really, honestly, it's a far more uh, common sense way of, of uh, doing purchases online. So yeah, this is a really good move from Microsoft, uh, as opposed to all their backtracking that they've done with the Xbox One, which has been good results, but kind of a bad thing because uh because of the you know fact that yeah. they just can't seem to get it right first thing okay yeah so i, I guess this is a, a good good news week for microsoft all around um you know what with steve ballmer retiring <laughs> right right so so this week he he has announced that he's going to retire mm-hmm. which is you know, and it's apparently it's going to happen when a, somebody's chosen to take over. Sure, um, sure. But you know, he's he's basically chased everybody out of the com- uh, out of the company that that would probably be a successor for him. Right. Um. But he's been he's he's been running Microsoft for thirteen years, and I realized when I saw that, like, how old do I feel now? Because <laughs> I remember when when he started, and it was like, oh. <laughs> Why? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You know, as a as a Mac fan, again, bring this up. As a Mac fan, uh, I I think Steve Ballmer is really the best Microsoft CEO that Apple could have ever hoped for. He did absolutely nothing good. He 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 managed right. to well, he managed to tolerably, semi competently shepherd. Uh, some of the already existing products, um, Xbox, 
kind of just kept trucking along. Um, Windows, yep. his sort of just kind of kept trucking along. Windows 7, you know, Windows 7 is nice. I, I like Windows 7 a lot. I, I haven't used Windows 8 myself, but uh, obviously the reaction to it is uh, highly mixed. Yeah. Uh, he, he's created absolutely zero successful new products. Um, I think it's funny that, you know, in 13 years, um, you know, Stephen Bo- Steve Ballmer creating zero new products uh, is just kind of business as usual. Tim Cook not creating any new products in two years is, uh, you know, the sky is falling. <laughs> right. I think, you know, I think the the perspective that people have on Apple as a as a company and uh, Microsoft as a company is is very different. And that's one of the one of the many ways it's sort of telling, you know, the the kind of the expectations out of out of the, the two of them, the different expectations out of the two of them. I mean, um, I'm honestly kind of surprised surprised that it's taken them this long to uh, to oust him oh um, yeah absolutely it as you know as soon as uh as soon as the iphone came out and steven steve Ballmer's making fun of it um you know it clearly he was not a tech guy um i know there were a lot of people that probably didn't think very much of it the first iphone but i think most people that understand technology in the slightest could look at it and go this is a game changer. Whether or not this phone is going to be successful uh, is a completely separate issue. But this technology is a game changer. Um, right. I, I, and when, like, when the when the first iPhone came out, mm-hmm. uh, it didn't it didn't come out here in Australia. But uh, every now and then, you would you would catch somebody who had actually visited the states, bought bought one and brought it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working I was working in sell I was selling phones. I was working in retail at the time and uh and I had a customer come into the store with one and they showed it off and I was I was floored by it because nothing in the entire like phone <laughs> world looked like that and, and or worked like that. You had phones that had touch screens but they were really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh they were very slow, you know, the the old HTCs and uh and, and yeah. stuff like that with with the sliders and stuff and the physical keyboards and it's just I, I look back at that now and I'm just like, whoa, that is that is I mean that's really telling. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, somebody the, the CEO of a company that supposedly uh you know that was partially responsible for some of the phones that you know that we were selling at the time didn't see the the how amazing that was right. uh it's 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 kind of yeah right you know I, I, it's it's funny because i think hmm. every now and then you get a kind of a litmus test with who has you know vision with technology and who doesn't and i think the iphone coming out was one of those i think the ipad coming out was one of those um i i feel like right. anybody that could see or or even just imagine uh you know a a 10 inch or however 9.7 inch um iphone screen and not not get that 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 opens up so many more possibilities than you know the the three and a half inch screen could um you know all other things being evil this exact same processors even you know just the fact that it has a larger screen makes it a completely different device it you know it's right it's it's it was shocking to me how you know there were there were all those people 
that we're saying, you know, big iPod touch. Some people still say big iPod touch. I think mostly that's yeah. died down because it's been proven otherwise, you know. Uh, maybe the, the first, you know, the first handful of applications weren't significantly different or better than their iPhone counterparts. But, um, you know, it, absolutely the iPad has opened up, a you know, a, a, a different realm of application that can't work on, on the iPhone uh, or can't certainly can't work as well on the iPhone as, as you can with a bigger screen. Um, right. Indeed. Exactly. Yeah. Um, to a lesser extent, I'd say the iPod as well was kind of one of those. Um, you know, when Steve, Steve Jobs um, f- unveiled that, I was like, that's an interesting device. I actually didn't like the iPod until about the third generation when it was the first one with uh, the all touch wheel. No, None yep. of the four buttons at the top. That was the first one that I was like, this interface is something. But like until the iP- the first generation iPod, I thought all of all MP3 players were just garbage. Um, none of them could hold <laughs> anything. They, they, they had like no storage whatsoever. Um, you know, so the first iPod, I think the form factor, it was, it was a couple steps over from being right. Um, and so I could I could sort of see how not seeing how that might be a game changer uh, would be forgivable, you know. And and also I guess yeah. really a lot of the the importance of the iPod was was actually iTunes and having the integrated music store, not so much the device itself. And that came a little bit later too, I believe. But yeah, uh, I've been reading on the on on the internets uh, amongst the 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 tech blog crowd. Uh, and the suggestion is that uh, that Steve isn't uh, isn't retiring of his own accord. The suggestion is, is that he was actually booted out by um, by by the board, I guess, uh-huh. uh, because of the fact that he just hasn't been able to you know create anything new, and to because because he hasn't been able to actually do anything really successful. Uh, Especially when you line up, when you line up Microsoft's achievements over the past five, you know, thirteen years compared to Apple's achievements over the past thirteen years, it's black and white. Like mm-hmm. there's a huge, huge gap between yeah. the two of them. And, and it's not even just Microsoft and Apple; it's Google too. Google, uh, Google ate Microsoft's lunch. <laughs> like right. Google, yeah. Google is doing exactly what Microsoft should be doing, which is actually competing with Apple. Windows Phone is a beautiful operating system. I think it's fantastic. Um, I think it looks great. I think it works really nicely. The devices are even pretty good, but nobody uses them. So the app ecosystem is hilariously terrible. And now that these devices have existed for a long time, it's not just how good the devices are. It's it's the apps that you can get on them. And, you know, the crucial, at least from my perspective anyway, crucial apps that are obviously available for the iPhone uh, that are they're also available for for Google uh, or for uh, Android um, you know are just lacking uh, on Windows Phone I, I kind of like scanned it when I was uh, when I was kind of poking around seeing if it was worth possibly doing a, a port of the not a port but a, a, a different version a, a Windows Phone version of the multiplex app or a multiplex app and uh and there the app store or the the windows phone app store whatever you want to call it whatever it's called i don't know uh it is just it's terrible 
it's it's an embarrassment and you know it or it should be an embarrassment to whoever runs it um uh steve balmer at the moment i suppose right <laughs> but uh yeah yeah um yeah no i mean i i i don't obviously i don't know i don't have any inside knowledge none of, none of us really know for sure that steve balmer was uh was ousted uh, or pushed out or, you know, told to find a replacement and, you know, hand, handle the graceful transition, whatever. But it, it's almost, it's almost a given, really. Um, it's, it's long overdue. Uh, so if he wasn't forced out, it, then, then the Microsoft board is even stupider <laughs> than we've all thought they were. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, I would 100% agree with that. It's 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 high time that that Microsoft got somebody in that was actually that is actually uh, good for the company, right? And uh, and this is the first step towards doing that. And if it wasn't the board that did it, then I have I have very little. Uh, hope for Microsoft's future mm-hmm. uh, after Steve Ballmer is gone because it means that they didn't even see that they were in in trouble, mm-hmm. which is which is terrifying. Um, <laughs> well, terrifying terrifying for those who actually uh, you know uh, care about Microsoft products. Yeah. Um, so to move move things along, sure. Kickstarter, which we've talked about on the show before, uh, is is now coming to Australia and New Zealand. Now, this doesn't necessarily this doesn't mean that you are going to be able to, uh, you know, support your favorite Kickstarter. That's that's already you know been a thing since the beginning of Kickstarter. Uh, mm-hmm. This means that you'll be able to now, f- uh, like Australians. So I'm, you guys, I'm talking to you guys, not not you, Gordon. <laughs> you're, sure, you're American. I, I am. Uh, I'm sorry, but but you guys uh, with you who have uh, cool new ideas that you want to want to do and have thought about doing a Kickstarter uh, before, but have been unable to because it's been limited to uh, to America and, and the UK to the, up to this point. It's launching in Australia and it's launching in New Zealand and uh, it's coming in the very near future, which is you know, it, it's it's not a date, but it does, <laughs> it it is suggestive that it's very very near. Sure. Um, well, it's it's kind of blatantly put in there uh I'll, I'll throw a link to in the show notes for for a page that you can go to and you can uh you can subscribe to an email thing that will will uh give you a heads up when it's going to be available uh now now gordon you've you've because you're american and uh and are capable of, of doing so you have done uh one or two kickstarters uh for, for multiplex in the past yep two uh, two for the the first and second, as yet only, uh, books in the the multiplex collection series. Uh, the first one, of course, is long since wrapped. Uh, the second one is at the printer right now. Uh, should be available in a couple of months, two three months, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Depending on how uh, the proofs look, of course. Yeah, that that project uh, completed last um, fall, I believe. And so, yeah, I've done two Kickstarters. Um, the, the first one, uh, I, you know, the, they both did very well for me. Um, the first one, I, 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 I was the first, uh, web cartoonist to do a Kickstarter to, to fund a, uh, a comic book project. Uh, I think there had maybe been one or two other, uh, comic books on there before. Before me, but, uh, you know, I was in, um, before it was even out of beta and, uh, and I, you know, I told the first 
wave of web cartoonists that, hey, this is a really cool idea. You should maybe look into funding your books that way. Um, whatever. Anyway, uh, I also made the first mistakes that, that any web cartoonists had ever done. Uh, and, and so my first project is a little underfunded. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I took a little hit that way. Second project actually again went over schedule. So, um, so as far as like paying myself goes, I've, uh, I've screwed, <laughs> screwed myself. <laughs> but the book itself, uh, will be a, will be a, a really lovely, uh, piece. I think it'll look even better than the first one. Um, I have a new printer. Uh, I've, I've upped the, the printing specs. I've got, I'm going to have some really lovely paper for the, for the cover and stuff but um anyway yeah yeah it, it's a it's a it's a really great uh and an exciting way to get to sort of democratize creative projects uh whether they're you know comics sure. or or films or even you know um little bits of new, new gadgets and that kind of thing too games of course they're uh, games are huge on kickstarter now um i mean the, the, there's uh multi-million dollar kickstarters <laughs> right uh particularly in the, in in the gaming field it it's it's amazing i mean my two projects combined co- collected maybe 30 something thousand uh american american dollars as you call them uh, <laughs> yep. uh so it, it's a you know it's a drop in the bucket compared to to some of those gigantic uh those gigantic ones um but uh you know it's it, it, I'm a, I'm a small creator and um, Chris Roberts, the guy that did, uh, you know, wing commander, for instance, I think that's his name. I hope I got that right. Uh, he, he ran uh, a Kickstarter project raised, uh, I believe $4 million off of that and has since continued through, uh, through his own website to, uh, to continue to collect more funds through its own crowdfunding Um uh, system, which is actually powered by a, uh, a self-hosted crowdfunding um, platform called Ignition Deck uh, that I'm actually looking into for possibly my third crowdfunding thing, either in addition to Kickstarter, possibly instead of Kickstarter. Um, but, you know, they've they've raised another, I don't even know where they're at now, but at least at least another six million, I think, on top of that. Um, wow. I p- apologize if my numbers are incorrect, but uh, either way... The guy that created Wing Commander is is crowd, has crowdfunded his own uh, his his own new game that is looks just gorgeous and um, you know so if if you were a Wing Commander fan at all as I was uh, look that stuff up uh, the graphics are great it it has it, you know they they went way over their goal uh, their their initial goal I believe was two million dollars. And they were like, pie in the sky, we'd like to make six so that we could, uh, you know, make this game as, as good as we possibly can. And they've raised well over that. So, so this game should be awesome. So, <laughs> we, you, you mentioned that you're, uh, mm-hmm. you, you considering, uh, going outside of Kickstarter for crowdfunding. Right. Um, what kind of started that, that thought off? Well, you know, Multiplex is, a, is an anomaly or, uh, well, maybe not an anomaly is maybe that's not the right word, but uh, it's a it's a little different than a lot of ki- uh, Kickstarter projects in that um, you know it, it appeals almost entirely to people who are already fans of my comic. 
Um, you know, right. Uh, certainly now that I'm getting into the second and third book in the series, uh, you know, but but even with my first book, I noticed that there weren't a whole lot of names in the email list that I didn't actually already recognize from the forums or the comment boards um, on on my website uh, or Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Uh, there were, you know, there were some names that that I didn't recognize, but those those backers, uh, the the funds that those those backers contributed were very small and, and significantly below the average um, pledge, which was something like twenty five dollars. Uh, the average, uh, this is completely non scientific, but uh, I'd say that the average person that that was not already a reader of of Multiplex gave you know five to ten dollars which is actually less than the price of the book um so the, you know these people were getting uh, the ebooks at best or you know just kind of like throwing a few extra dollars to 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 me because they they thought it looked kind of cool and and it looked like uh, again non-scientifically um it looked like that was even more the case with the second book and so you know if the pattern is going to keep up um i'm essentially giving kickstarter it's five percent um, which is, you know, what it costs to, uh, to run a project through Kickstarter is they get 5% of what you raise. Um, and so I, I'd be giving them 5% to, you know, host a blog for me to, to post project updates, uh, which, you know, I can do myself easily with WordPress, uh, to, to, well, you know, you can also, you know, do, do things like have a, it's private, you know, it's a private blog. Um, you can also distribute some files and stuff like that. There's there's a lot of things that they offer that you you can really easily do uh, th- through other means. The main thing I feel like it gives you is a progress bar uh, while you're raising your your funding. Uh, and and of course, if you have a project that is uh, likely to appeal to a broader audience than than my comic, then obviously you have the viral lift. You have uh, Kickstarter's. Uh, name value, which, you know, to some extent says this is going to be a little more pr- trustworthy than just random guy on the internet trying to raise money on his own website, you know, but, sure. um, the, yep. and, and those things don't really apply to me in the sense that, you know, my readers already know who I am. So, so if I'm, you know, raising money on my own website, it shouldn't, shouldn't, uh, be any different then, you know, if I'm saying, hey, go over to Kickstarter and do it, it's just that I would keep that extra 5%. And when you're talking about raising $20,000, 5% is a lot of money. So, uh, and especially when you're talking about $6 million, as Chris Roberts raised outside of Kickstarter, that's a hell of a lot of money. <laughs> that is a lot of money. Right. I, I don't even know that I could raise the 5% just, you know, just on my own project. Right. Exactly. And, and what, uh, what they used instead, as, as I said, was a custom version of Ignition Deck. Ignition Deck costs $79. Small price to pay in comparison. Yeah. Compared to 5% of $6 million. And I'm not going to do the math. But uh, it's a lot of money. You know, um, I'm actually really surprised that uh, crowdfunding hasn't sort of moved in this direction. Um, obviously, uh, you know, again, there there is that that name value, that trust that the Kickstarter name sort of affords things. Um, and probably some built in audience as well. Sure. For, for, for certain projects, because certain projects, uh, yeah. a lot of projects, 
a lot of projects they don't necessarily have a built-in audience mm-hmm. um yeah. and and kickstarter provides a platform that is that that has a built-in audience because right. you know people people uh, every now and then I find myself on Kickstarter just having a look and seeing <laughs> you know seeing some of the projects that yeah. are, that are going on and uh mm-hmm. I, I mean it's very rare that I'll, I'll I'll back anything I think over the course of my entire Kickstarter experience I've backed maybe 10 so projects so I don't back everything that I see mm-hmm. and just you know I, I might see something and think oh you know that's cool um but I don't it's very rare for me to 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 back something unless I'm I'm so into it that I actually want to participate, right? And uh, uh, like, and I think I think that that probably uh, applies to quite a lot of people that you know have uh, have come to Kickstarter because of other projects that you know pr- because of projects that have have uh, launched them into that, mm-hmm. and you know s- stuck around and 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 have now probably backed a, a project or two but just because it looked cool and ne- didn't they weren't necessarily part of its of its core audience so right yeah i i'd say that i mean obviously obviously you know f- for you having mm-hmm. having a built-in audience with with multiplex uh already it's a different story but right. uh ha- having having that built-in audience uh the, the, sorry having the kickstarter audience um is mm-hmm. is probably part of of, of what uh, draws people to to a platform like that. Yeah, and and I would say that 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 is probably absolutely worth the five percent for um, a lot of projects, possibly even most projects. But um, you know, uh, for me, I, I'm I'm curious, and I think I you know even if I do end up using Kickstarter as well, I'll probably run them at the same time, um, and just see how that goes. Um, you know, it, it might be sort of tainting the test by saying, hey, this one, I don't pay 5%. But, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, but but then, you know, there are going to be people that want to do it that way uh, through Kickstarter for sure. some reason. And uh, even even if I were to also use Amazon Payments, um, which I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I wouldn't do it unless I could also offer Amazon Payments, which is the payment processor that Kickstarter uses uh, in addition to PayPal, um, which I know is built into Ignition Deck and that kind of thing, um, you know, it's I, I don't know. I, I I think it'd be it'll be interesting to see how that goes um, if I end up doing both. Um, and in any case, um, you know, it it is fantastic that Kickstarter is opening up down down there, um, and uh, you know, and I think it'll be uh, really good for a lot of independent creators down there uh hope hopefully uh you know maybe you could kickstart yourself a proper movie studio <laughs> that that would probably uh be uh, a good thing <laughs> <laughs> we can stop making our own actual uh, movies yeah. uh so if if you guys are interested in actually uh if you guys have got a project that you're really interested in 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 funding um and and want to find out a little bit more about the about the platform and how to how to actually uh to run a project on Kickstarter, they are actually hosting schools. I don't know if you if they've if they've done this before. I don't know if they've done this in America, but they host schools where <laughs> uh, it's it's basically like a workshop that you go to, and I guess they tell you about what to expect with Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do some you know Lamar's breathing or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I was but I was in you, on the, yeah. I was in on just about the ground floor. So at that point, they hadn't 
really done anything like that. But I did notice shortly after I moved to Minneapolis a couple of years ago that there was a uh, there was a sort of a class, and I think it was by one of the uh, you know Kickstarter. Not it wasn't by one of the founders, but it was one of the, one of the people at Kickstarter ran uh, sort of a workshop about it. So I don't think it's unprecedented. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, absolutely, I do think that if if you live in Sydney or Melbourne, um, and you're and you're interested in uh, Kickstarter and and what what not to do and what to do, uh, you should go because. They have, you know, they have a wealth of knowledge built up from years of seeing what works, what doesn't work. Uh, and it's not going to work. And, you know, what works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for another. But but there are things that generally are just, you know, best practices. Right. And and the thing about Kickstarter is that they have they have all the, the knowledge about uh, mm-hmm. about their own platform they they know what works and what doesn't because they've seen that they you know they've that they've been there for every single project that has ever come through kickstarter right and so um, by going to one of these schools you can you, you can uh, you can find out all the information that you could possibly need to know mm-hmm. about uh, about using the platform so if you live in sydney uh, you can go on the 1st of september if you live in melbourne you can go on the 2nd of september uh, if you go onto the uh, if you go onto the website that we'll link in the show notes, and uh, you, you can find out details about that um, on on there, uh, so so that you can you can uh, attend one of these schools and possibly run your first Kickstarter project. I look forward mm-hmm. to seeing uh, the wealth of independent uh, comics and uh, applica- in you know gadgets and applications to come out of this. It'll be it'll be fun to see what you guys come up with. So, in other internet news, the internet exploded. Was it last week or this earlier this week? I can't remember. I think it's still exploding. It feels like over this. It's yeah. It's uh. <laughs> it's just kept like it's just like a slow motion. Everybody is their brains are just exploding. It's sort of like a Zack Snyder film, like an ongoing slow motion explosion. <laughs> And also really boring at the same time. Yeah, it's it's really it's really pretty but boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can t- completely see that. So uh, this week the news came out of uh, uh, of Warner Brothers via I think it was via Variety article originally uh, that uh, the new Batman has been cast for the upcoming Superman versus Batman. Slash Batman versus Superman sequel to uh, Man of Steel from Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. Batman has been cast, and uh, he is Ben Affleck, Daredevil just, himself. Just, you know, pause for effect. <laughs> yeah, Daredevil. Uh, <laughs> I, so uh, be- before we really get started in the conversation about this, uh, it's it's been everywhere, right? Uh, my sure. wife, in fact, has written half an article about. Uh, about this particular topic on a blog that she uh, contributes with, and I'm going to throw the show notes, the link for the show notes in that because basically what it, what that does is it takes both sides of it. Uh, so she wrote half of the article, and the other half was written by somebody else, uh, and it was basically <laughs> you know this is why Ben Affleck is going to be good as a new Batman, and this is why Ben Affleck is going to be awful as a new Batman. Uh, so if you're interested in Kind of reading further on that. That's that's a, that's one place that you can you can you can start. 
if you just want to you know listen to people rant then gosh you gotta you're in for a treat just yeah if if really if you just want to listen to people rant just go to twitter and and look up like <laughs> bat affleck hashtag whatever <laughs> so how do you feel about how, how do you feel about this news you know, I, I like I like Ben Affleck. I think he's fine as an actor. Uh, you know, I don't think he's like some gifted thespian, uh, but um, you know, he, he does the job sometimes. Uh, when when the script lives up, <laughs> when when he has something to work with, when he has a good script, I think he's good. Um, you know, when he wrote the town or co-wrote the town, he co-wrote. Um, why am I blanking? His most recent film. Argo. Uh, he, he co-wrote Argo, and in both of those, he was really good. Um, I, I wouldn't say he was mind-blowing in either, but he doesn't need to be. He's kind of, he's kind of an, I think he's kind of an everyman. And I, I know there are a lot of people that just vomited uh, after hearing that because they're, they probably care a little too much that he dated Jennifer Lopez or, or Mary, I don't know. Did he marry her? Who cares? Um, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, whatever. He, uh, you know, a lot of people just hate him outright uh, for for whatever reason, and and that's that's kind of the same thing with celebrities all over the place. Um, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio was was the hottest new thing; girls loved him, so guys hated him. And then he was in, you know, he was the Titanic douchebag, you know, for the longest time. And then he was in a couple of good movies, and now he's awesome, and everybody loves him, and he's chris nolan's you know right hand it's the the internet does this it's it's i mean it's really just kind of movie fans in general it's not just the internet but the movie fans in general kind of they can't divorce an actor from his last high profile project you know um yeah and and this particular one is is daredevil right because sure. because this I is guess. the last yeah. thing that is is relevant and to, uh, to comic like book nerds yeah now. yeah um i mean it doesn't matter that he directed gone baby gone the town and argo three f- really good movies you know and he starred in two of them i don't know whatever um i think he'll be fine i i think he you know he is a bit of a flat actor he, emotionally but i think that's fine for batman you know all he needs to be to be bruce wayne is charming and i think he could pull that one off he's a good looking dude he's kind of charming when he wants to be okay i just what I else does think he I need can, I, don't, I don't see <laughs> well see i i feel like my my first reaction was that he just he doesn't really feel like like batman to me and i'm not i'm not basing that on uh on his daredevil stuff mm-hmm. i'm basing that on on you know quite a lot of the stuff that he's done sure uh, he just he feels really mellow to me. Like he feels as an actor, like he's he's just got like a mellow personality. Mm. And every now and then he can pull out uh he can pull out you know anger and all that sort of stuff. Like you you look at the film that he's in now, um which I, I mean I've granted I've only really seen trailers for. Um, I'm trying to think of what it is. It's the one with Justin Timberlake. Oh, uh, I'm gonna look it up because yeah, I don't think anybody is gonna ever watch that movie. Runner, runner. Runner, runner, right? Uh, but yeah, like if you look at him in, if you look at him in that, like he's got a very, very mellow. I mean, uh, he, he plays. He seems to be playing the bad, the bad guy in that. Mm. Um, and uh, he 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 has a very mellow kind of thing going. Like he's he's really calm and collected. And then you know, every now and then he'll just kind of get really angry. But that, I mean, and 
and that is completely not Batman to me. Like he he needs to. Batman is you know gravelly voice and lots of pent up anger. I guess. See, what um, the last thing I want to hear out of him is a, any attempt to do the Christian Bale type voice, uh, because I always thought that was r- ridiculous, and he got slightly better in the second movie after you know after the. F- the first one but it, it was ridiculous i mean there were times where i could not understand what he was saying <laughs> that just that brings to mind the video that the, the, right. the uh the the co- comedy video that was you know of of right. the interrogation scene where he's that, like, that was like every pair every parody of dark knight was that <laughs> yeah come on <laughs> it's 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 the it's the low-hanging fruit of making fun of dark knight but uh you know he he doesn't need to put on a voice he he could he could just just be Batman. Just you know, I mean, th- the thing is, Batman isn't supposed to be all like worked up and angry. Because is it? Don't you think, to some extent, it's a little freakier if he's actually kind of calm when he's beating you crap the crap out of you. You know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that being way yeah. creepier, actually. Yeah. I mean, to to be angry or or afraid or or whatever, you know that that just means he wasn't expecting it. If he's Batman, he should expect everything. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, my initial point though is is the one that I'm really gonna get back to is um is that he'll be as good as the script. Because, uh, you know, he's never really transcended a script, but he's always been kind of as good as the scripts he's been working with. And uh, and I think that is going to be the big problem with Batman Superman, because I have still never seen a David Goyer scripted movie that I've just flat out liked, Um, not even loved, but just liked um you know man of steel had massive problems it had some really cool moments too particularly related to ancha trow's uh feora character and, and you know the action was really good until it started getting a little monotonous uh there were some some moments in there and but that's always kind of the problem with david goyer is that he has a lot of good moments that have really really bad dialogue and that are only negligibly strung together and, and, and don't really cohere. Um, that was the problem that I had with Batman Begins. That was the problem that I had with every other movie that he's written. Um, you know, Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, uh, I think were good or better because of the fact that he did not write the screenplays. Christopher and Jonathan Nolan uh, co-wrote the second film and Christopher Nolan, uh, I believe wrote, uh, the third film all by himself, uh, based on a screen quote unquote screen story by David Goyer and, uh, and you know, himself, themselves, whatever. Um, and I think, you know, he's good with the comic book plots to an extent. Um, but, but he's, he's really not much of a scripter in, in the sense that he can't make an intelligent, <laughs> movie that holds together and has you know i mean batman's supposed to be the smartest guy in the world right but this is a this is going to be a script by a guy that says you know that um oh geez well there was this howl inducing line in man of steel about how uh because the spaceship uh because his spaceship 
was from the other side of the 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 universe it's not anywhere on our periodic table of elements which anybody that understands basic chemistry knows makes zero sense like none like all of the chemicals in the entire universe exist everywhere in the universe in varying degrees so Hit the at best, you know the the spaceship that uh, Super Baby came to Earth in is you know an alloy that we've never seen before, or or something like that. You know it it, it could not possibly, except in a movie, be not on the periodic table. And and you know it's it's that kind of a line that that sounds good to people that don't know any better. Uh, or don't care to, you know, actually think for the the split second that it takes to realize that that line doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, it, it, it's that kind of a line that that those are the kinds of things that David Goyer writes, and those are the kinds of things that his characters, you know, spout. You know, the there's there's a cliche line that was that turned up in the first Star Trek movie by J.J. Abrams about how. Uh, James Kirk's uh, scores were off the charts, that whole off the charts thing. And, and, you know, when you think about it, though, if somebody's scores are off the chart, it's not a very good chart. (laughs) 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 Why is why is that the chart at all? If it's off the, if anybody could be off the charts, you know, (laughs) indeed. And 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 I got to say, Kirk didn't really seem that smart. (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I mean, Spock had to be at least somewhat smarter than Kirk in at least some respects, you know? So, like, was he off yeah, the, off no, the chart? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, I, I, I digress into the land of uh, poor movie logic, but... Um, but, you know, the, that was the big problem that I had with Man of Steel was David Goyer's script. I thought, actually, uh, Zack Snyder did a surprisingly good job, um, all things considered. I, I do wish, uh, you know, I have some nitpicks about things that I wish were, were you know, thrown in. Uh, maybe maybe a shot or two of Superman giving a crap about the citizens of Metropolis. <laughs> save Save like two people. <laughs> Instead of just, you know, plowing Zod through the city, just try and fail even um, and then realize that, okay, you need to just, you know, take Zod out first and, and, you know, and everybody else or everybody else is screwed. Sure. But you got to include one shot or two shots of that before, you know, you can reasonably assume that that's that he tried you know as it is we have you know superman throwing zod around into buildings that we don't know are empty (laughs) you know so uh, you know he he uh he wasn't he he didn't quite live up to you know the superman ideal in, in in those ways um I, I thought Henry Cavill was fine. Um, I, I liked Amy Adams as Lois Lane, but you know they they didn't really have a whole lot to do, and that's that's my big fear with Man of Steel is that unless they get a really good script polisher in to to work that whatever David Goyer comes up with, it, it's not going to be that great of a movie no matter what. 
no matter how good or bad Ben Affleck is. So he's really the least of my concerns to, to make a very long story <laughs> shorter. Here's the thing about the DC movies that's, that are starting to come out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, we only have really... I mean, we, I know we've got pre- previous DC movies from Warner Brothers, uh, like you know, like like Ring Lantern and and, uh, and and you know, Batman Begins and well, sure. ba- the Batman trilogy, the the Nolan trilogy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have all of those, but DC seems to be wanting to go into a direction that's very similar to Marvel's direction, the way that they've been taking their their, their films, which yep. is to uh, you know to to bring everybody together and have a have a combined universe, right? Um. And it seems to be the, the, that that that's what they're going going towards, which kind of leads me to think uh, of of another situation that's uh, well another another pair of companies that do kind of the same thing as each other, <laughs> but also uh, have very different approaches. Yeah, which is Pixar and DreamWorks, and I would argue that uh, that DC. DC with with you know their high profile actors and their less you know the 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 less strong story that seems to be coming it seems to be a continuing thing now mm. uh would be the dreamworks to to marvel's pixar i wouldn't compare marvel to pixar in terms of quality um i loved iron man i loved i i'm i seem to be one of the few people that loves just flat out loves the incredible hulk um but i i love that movie um uh, I, I love the Avengers, but the rest of them are are just pretty good movies. Um, I think the casting, for the most part, has been really good uh, on on the main characters, if not, uh, you know, some of the supporting characters. Um, Natalie Portman, for instance, does not really. I mean, she seems smart, but she doesn't really seem like the scientist type to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, there, there's just a little something off in her voice that just doesn't scream, you know, I'm into quantum physics or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I like that you can just pull that straight from her voice is just, you know, her voice doesn't say to me that, uh, that I'm into quantum physics. Good. Good. Right. People just sound a particular way, you know, like it's, it's kind of like, I mean, you know, it's the question is like whether or not they sound like they understand the words coming out of their mouth. And and I feel like she sort of trips over the any of the techno babbly sort of things. And she kind of I mean, she just feels very normal. She doesn't seem like super smart to me, although I mean, she may be. But like Mira Sovino, I believe, is a Mensa member. Um, and she did play a scientist in Mimic, but she was probably the least convincing scientist I've ever seen in a movie, besides <laughs> possibly uh, Denise, Richard, De- Denise Richards as a nuclear physicist in whatever travesty of Bond movie that was. So, um, yeah, has, has Sylvester Stallone ever? Oh, no. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I guess him playing a scientist uh, in... in um, the Batman movie. <laughs> that was the least convincing scientist I've ever seen in my... Well, actually, I never saw that movie. So, um, anyway, whatever. You, you get the idea, though. Like, they're, they're just... It's, it's not a question of the, the accent, necessarily. Uh, it's certainly not a question of gender. But she just doesn't... 
exude intelligence in the same way that um, Kate Blanchett, I think, does, or or Tilda Swinton. Not that Tilda Swinton's going to be a love interest for Thor, but you know, um, she projects, you know, an intelligence that I I think it's impossible to fake. Um, well, maybe not impossible because uh, you know, actors aren't, aren't necessarily the smartest people on the planet. <laughs> George Clooney comes off pretty smart, you know? Uh, I'm yeah. pretty sure he's probably there, there not as smart as the average doctor. I think doctor. what you're trying to say is... <laughs> what you're trying to say is that there are actors who just... Who 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 come across as being smart, and there are actors who really just yeah. aren't able, like, able to do that. And... Uh, right. And why not, you know, why not cast the ones that, that are? Right. I, I guess... A, a good, a really good example of that actually is um, Ashton Kutcher as Steve Jobs. Um, and I, I was never really big into that '70s show, so I don't have that kind of. I don't even remember the name of his character. What was what was this character's name? Um, Kelso, maybe. Oh, I don't know. I didn't. Whatever. Anyway, I was in. Yeah, that sounds. That sounds. Sounds, right. sounds about right. But uh, you know, I was never really attached to that show. So the fact that he played the dumb guy on that '70s show it, it is not a factor in this for me at all. The 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 guy just doesn't sound intelligent, and um, you know, you might think Steve Jobs was an asshole, and every once in a while, you know, if you if you follow the tech community, there were times where people would catch him talking about things where he didn't really know what he was saying, but he still sounded good. And that's how the reality distortion field worked, right? Mm -hmm. Is is that he sounded like like he knew what he was talking about, even when sometimes somebody who had a little more technical knowledge than him would know that he didn't. And um, you know, and he right, was exactly. he, he was also a smart guy. He was a little I think he was better at putting the puzzle pieces together than coming up with any of the puzzle pieces himself. Um, in the sense that, you know, he could see the big picture of how these things needed to integrate, um, you know, design with engineering, with user interface, you know, that they weren't these separate things that, you know, can, you know, engineers and, and people seem to think that they are, um, you know, he, he understood that design extended, um, over the whole thing and not just in a marketing sense, you know, um, Anyway, so so Steve Jobs, smart guy, Ashton Kutcher, he might be, but he sure as hell doesn't sound like it. And uh, and I saw Jobs uh, at a preview screening um, a few weeks ago, shortly before it was released in the States. And, um, you know, there were a few times here and there that he did an all right job. Um, he, he never wowed me again. He, he just I don't, I'm not sure that he's capable of that as an actor um but 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 again really the script was the was the major letdown it like the first few minutes of it were cringeworthy he's you know doing acid in a field and you know hollywood seems to have some sort of infatuation with uh you know showing people going oh wow in a field like you know, anybody gives a crap <laughs> about the fact that he did acid. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe some people do. And, you know, I, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll confess to have having done uh, uh, my fair share of hallucinogens in my younger years. Um, so, you know, they are they can be powerful experiences. But in a film, mm, no, no, not really. 
Exactly. There, there is bizarre things that the film decided to skip over. Um, there's zero mention of Next or Pixar in it, for instance. Um, even, even when you, oh, really? Yeah. Even when you accept the fact that it stops right after he was hired back at Apple, and so he obviously doesn't die. Um, it, uh, it, it's just, it's a bizarre oversight. Um, because the whole arc that they're trying to establish in the film is that this guy is a dick and that, um, uh, he kind of kind of screws a lot of people over, but, uh, then he kind of gets fired because of it. And then sort of, then he gets rehired, uh, and that's really kind of how the movie comes across. It's it's like he he gets fired, and then he gets rehired. And there's no like he grows a little bit in the middle, which uh, arguably is the case. Um, I think um, I do think that the 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 uh, relative failure of Next. I mean, Next was a fantastic operating system. Essentially, parts of it are still being used in OS 10 today, and you know the computers were amazing machines um you know there's a reason why you know the first web servers were built on next machines they were good machines um but financially speaking the co- the company was sort of a failure um it was uh, it, it was going to go under if if apple didn't buy it uh or somebody else didn't buy it um you know and um and you know so between that and uh and then kind of building pixar up from from nothing, well, it's not nothing really, but from a computer animation division of Lucasfilm that he had purchased, um, you know, essentially starting it over, uh, and then kind of because it was failing as a software company, turning it into a movie studio of sorts, um, you know, and that happened to be incredibly successful, and of course their IPO made him. Uh, a billionaire or multimillionaire at least uh, many times over um so uh you know all over again and so it's it's kind of you know he he lucked out i think um or you know maybe it wasn't luck maybe it was knowing who to surround yourself with uh which is kind of arguably what he did on uh on apple uh cuz obviously steve wozniak was the technical genius of of that duo um he, he's largely responsible, almost entirely responsible for the Apple II, uh, certainly the Apple I. Um, and uh, the, the Macintosh team was uh, probably had more technical knowledge than Steve Jobs did in his pinky at the time. Uh, but he did manage to kind of shepherd them into to making something that was, you know, usable and, and, and um, you know, carried through for the next several years of Apple. So, uh, into the nineties, of course, when it was a failing company, <laughs> but us graphic designer types that were alive then and using Apple machines, Macintoshes, um, you know, we, we, you know, we still have a soft spot for the quadras and the centras or centra, I think. Anyway, um, anyway, I, I, I digress, but, um, yeah, so the, the jobs movie had, had a lot of, uh, bizarre oversights um obviously it was some it was grossly oversimplified in some ways and a a film is just gonna have to be um you know it's it's just 
it's no social network. Because, <laughs> you know, the thing is, like, the social <laughs> network is a fantastic movie, whether or not you care at all about Facebook or Mark Zuckerberg, because I didn't, and I don't. Right. And it's a great movie. Um, Aaron Sorkin is one of those writers that can put intelligent words into characters' mouths. Um, the, the, the only intelligent lines that came out of the Jobs movie were familiar enough quotes to people that have been, you know, reading this sort of thing um, for, you know, like myself or you, um, you know, we're going to already be familiar with most of the quotes that they pull out um, to the, to, you know, maybe the, the average person that doesn't really give a crap about Steve Jobs and is just curious, hey, what's up with that Apple movie? Uh, they might hear some really cool lines that make them think, that they aren't familiar with, but, you know, they were all things that Steve Jobs actually said or, you know, so. Right. Um, yeah, the things that the things that anybody that's into mm-hmm. Apple and follows tech will will have probably heard at some point. In, or, or Right, right. The, the, mm-hmm. the directing job is embarrassing. <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's an indie production in the worst possible way. I don't know. I, I, I still I still would uh posit that uh the the worst film the worst film that has ever been made uh that feels like an indie film that got way too much money somehow uh is is the last airbender <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh well i mean that movie that 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 movie <sighs> yeah I, yeah, it, yeah. It it brings tears to my eyes that movie. Just thinking about it, <laughs> um, it's like a it's like a school play gone wrong. Like, like it's it's like they just some school just decided to put on a play of 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 you know Avatar: The Last Airbender, right? And then some movie company came along and gave them way too much money, right? And uh, yeah, terrible, terrible yeah. movie. Anyway, completely off topic. Sure. Wow. And in Whatever. fact, we're probably really like we're running over time. We're really, really uh, we've gone we've gone long. So just just to kind of wrap things up, what would you give uh, the movie Jobs out of say ten? Uh, four or five stars. That's uh, that, that that might even okay. be generous. It's uh, it's it's not painfully bad. It's not an utter travesty, but but it's. It's few redeeming qualities are things that I really can't give the filmmakers too much credit for. Um, you know, it was all either inherent in the material right. or, you know, a direct quote. Um, yeah, I, there, there is a much, much better film to be made out of this, this story. I think, um, I don't know if from what I hear about Aaron Sorkin's version, which is, which is based, supposedly based on the official biography, right? Supposedly. But the last thing I heard about it was that it was going to be, uh, using three keynote addresses as like the framing sequence and that there were not going to be flashbacks. So that was a particularly strange and disconcerting, uh, bit of news (laughs) to hear. I, I'm hoping that that's that Aaron Sorkin will realize that that is one of his most self-indulgent ideas. Um, but as much as I like Aaron Sorkin, occasionally he does not recognize his most self-indulgent ideas. So, if, <laughs> uh, so you know, 
there's a there's a possibility that that won't uh that won't happen um who, well, who knows i guess we'll have to see we will so if people want to uh, want to get in touch with you or want to find out more about the stuff that you do, like Multiplex, sure. uh, where can they go? Well, if uh, if you'd like to look up Multiplex, it is at multiplexcomic.com uh, on the interwebs. Uh, if you want to yell at me and tell me that I talked too much or that I'm stupid for uh, thinking Ben Affleck could actually be a decent Batman, um, I'm on Twitter at gmcalpin, G-M-C-A-L-P-I-N at, uh, at Twitter. So, um, so yeah, I look forward to being abused by your listeners. All right. Well, if uh, if you guys want to read any of the stuff that we've talked about today, uh, any of the articles that we've used as as reference for this, uh, we, you can you can do that. We have uh, we have listed them on the Jelly and Bean website, which is jellyandbean.co forward slash forty forty. Life starts at forty, they say. Anyway. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, that is me and Bean, you can do that as well. We have an email form also on the website that sends us an email uh, so you can you can tell us never ever to get Gordon on the show again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you, you, all you need to do is go to jellyandbean.co forward slash contacts and you can write an email there, you know, dig Lord, why the hell did you bring this dude on your show? <laughs> it was horrific. Or something. Uh. And uh, and that sends an email to me and Bede, and we'll we'll listen to you. We'll, we will listen, I promise. Uh, you can also get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm at Jelly Bean Soup. Uh, that's it for this week, you guys. Uh, Bean will be back next week. Uh, so we look forward to talking to you then. We'll see you later. Bye. <laughs>